All right. And this is part two. If you've been listening, the episode just before this one is called Losing Yourself. And this one is also called Losing Yourself. But the last one had quotations mark, quotation marks around the yourself. This one has quotation marks around the losing part. And uh, if you've been listening, thank you. My name is John, and this is one of the ways I am trying to take the skills that I got in grad school and put them into good use in a creative new way. So thank you for listening. I've got a drink here and all of my notes. Let me take a sip. Hold on. My throat's a little dry because I'm doing these two episodes back to back, but that's neither here nor there. Real quick, I am uh, in the liner notes or in the info about this episode, I'm putting up a link because I want to do something different and just occasionally put up a fundraiser for an organization that I think is good. And this time around, there's going to be a link for Charity Water, which makes it possible so that all 100% of its proceeds go directly to providing clean water for people in other parts of the world. They do this by having a select number of people pay the salaries of the people on staff at the organization. So that enables them to say that every dollar that you give goes 100% to providing clean water. None of it goes to paying for their salaries because they already have specific donors that have deliberately chosen to pay for their salaries. So check out the link, give some money if you feel so led, and otherwise, let's jump right in. This is Losing Yourself Part 2, and no, it is not a call-out or a reference to the song by Eminem, although... It is a good song, and I once learned how to play the riff on the guitar, and that made for some hilarious times, rapping poorly. But for me, (laughs) uh, these two episodes have been growing for quite a bit, and in order to do them, I need to just make references to things that happen in my own life. And hopefully by doing that, that means that the content of the last episode and this one will resonate with you. In the last episode, I talked quite a bit about how we each have a a false self. And this is a version of ourself that either we think most people will want to buy into, we think most people will like the most. It can be a false version of ourself that we just think will be best able to survive or even best able to control our environments, our family, our workplace. But the thing is, that false self often is not who we really are. That that version of us is just a shell. It's a husk. It's the painted front of a tomb or the outside of a dirty cup. And yeah, those are references that Jesus makes. But last episode in this episode is all about a passage that shows up in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
end. It's that if you try to save yourself, you will lose yourself. But if you lose yourself, you will save yourself. Sword and Kierkegaard talked about how Christianity and the Jesus path is a religion of paradoxes. And there you go. That's like, hmm. If you try to save your false version of yourself, then you will lose the truest, deepest version of yourself. But if you're willing to lose the surface level of yourself, then you will save the deepest, truest, most beautiful version of yourself. And that's what these two episodes are about. Let's get into it. Are you with me? All right. So I had mentioned in the last episode that I had actually a few minor apocalypses happen to me. And that's a theological term, sure, which most people think it means the end of the world. But if in the real translation, an apocalypse is just something that is a revealing of what was hidden. And every so often, we get hit in life, don't we, with mini apocalypses. Maybe the whole world doesn't end, like in World War III, but an event happens that rips the veil away, and all of a sudden, what has been hidden for so long is now obvious and in the bright open light of everyone and ourselves you know if we take the time to engage those apocalypses well then they can become turning points rather than end points apocalypses don't have to be the end but they can be a turning point where we say this wasn't the end of me, but it was the revealing of who I really am to me. You feel me? That's good, right? So for me, uh, I realized that I had created a false version of myself. And, and maybe false isn't quite the best wordage, but that is the, uh, the vocabulary that Thomas Merton and another guy, Thomas Keating, used to talk about this phenomenon of the external self and the true deep self. When I found out that I had created a version of myself to survive, to control my environment around me, to have a version of myself that I thought other people would like the most, when I found out that I was doing that, and when I found out that that version of myself (laughs) was not surviving, could not control anything, and possibly was not even likable by everyone, let alone myself, I had to do something. I had to do something really profound. For me to remember who I was, to return to my truest, deepest version of myself, it meant I had to pull back. It meant I had to pull back from everyone and almost everything and to deliberately spend time with people who had no agenda for me other than just give me the space to work myself out. (laughs) And so I chose to return to like two or three practices that I found gave me life. It was like going to the gym and just studying and being with close friends and family. But I mean, I really pulled back. And I think there was a good couple months when I really only related to maybe 
less than 10 people, honestly. Yes, I was functioning and doing other things in, in normal life, but I mean, I pulled back a lot. And so in some sense, I by doing that, I was wiping the slate clean. And for me, this was, quote, losing myself. It was, it was me, quote, losing the version of myself that I had created, which was really a matter of saving who I really was. It was really me learning how to take off that mask. It was me learning how to crack the shell. It was me learning to chip away the paint and find out what was really beneath it all. And yeah, of course, I had to confront some things about myself, but I also saw some really redeemable and good things about myself. And um, I have a, a note here. Let me pull this up. Hold on. Hmm. Oh, here we go. Okay. Sometimes um, we are terrified of giving up that surface level version of ourselves. And, and we're terrified sometimes because we think that if we, if we lose that version of ourselves, if we lose the person with all the titles, if we lose the person with all the achievements, then we're just going to find complete emptiness that like, I have no identity. I have no idea of who I am. But when we strip away that surface husk version of ourselves, we won't find complete emptiness. We won't find complete hollow character. Instead, what we find is that there is the Imago Dei. And that's Latin for the image of God. Thomas Keating, who was a monk, said this. The image of God in which every human is created is always there. It is the part our participation in the divine life manifested in each of our uniqueness. And that's beautiful. Because the true self and who we really are deep down, when you strip away all the layers and all the titles, all the achievements and all the failures, the true self, the deepest self of who we are is absolutely free that the truest deepest version of ourselves can't be mocked can't be ashamed it it can't be afraid it, it also can't be impressed or coerced or or bought by other people our truest deepest self doesn't bother with any of those endeavors there's a, a famous story of a, a traveling preacher named John Chrysostom, who when he walked into this one little kingdom, he was barefoot and he had a robe on. He was poor and obviously hadn't taken a bath in a while. But the king in that area found out, like, oh no, John came. John Chrysostom is here. He's in our kingdom. And the rumor is that the king trembled and he was afraid. The king why are you afraid? You're sitting up here on your throne. You're surrounded by soldiers and swords. And he said, no, I'm terrified because he can't be bought. Because John Chrysostom was living out of his true, 
deep self and he had no facades. He wasn't interested in any of the surface level endeavors of other people or even of himself. Yeah, your true self is what it means for you to be truly human. And at least in the Jesus tradition, this means that you are like Jesus in in your own unique way. Not like everyone else, but in your unique way. And and it's not in like a haircut. It's not in location or how you travel, but you are like Jesus in that humility in strength that's guided by love, in deep perception of the world. And it even means that when we each live into our truest, deepest version of ourselves, we can be like Jesus in anger and in prayer, in discipline and in grace. Our truest, deepest self is, it's always there. It, it can't really be completely done away with because it can always be brought back to life. So here's, here's some questions for you. Ready? Or at least some, some thoughts. Your true self, okay, who you are at the deepest, most intimate center of who you are, your true self is your unedited self. And, and by that, I mean, it's the version of you that has no props, no crutches. It doesn't make any excuses and it doesn't care about titles. It doesn't add or subtract anything. It's the version of you that's also free to confess what you know you need to work on. You know when somebody is living out of their false self, when they have no idea or desire of how to talk about the things that they need to work on. That's what humility is. And the true self, it, it doesn't fight to continue existing like the false self does. The true self has no desire <laughs> to keep up with that endeavor because it has no um, has no dog in that fight. It just is. And uh, it has no need to attack or defend itself. Um and it's because it's not trying to be the ground of its own existence. And, and I use that phrase intentionally because it, some people like to talk about God as though God is the ground of all existence. And the false self likes to make itself what it stands upon. As if it's trying to stand on its own shoulders. But the true self is content to let God be God and let themselves be themselves. The false self loves to make itself the center of its own universe. But the true self, the truest, deepest version of yourself, doesn't feel the need to be at the center of everyone's universe, including your own. And so, to, go, to say it again, 
your true self is the most free version of yourself because it's not trying to be the ground of its own existence because it knows that God is the only ground to stand our lives upon. God alone is the ground of our own being, not us. And this, this reminds me to go back to uh, Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher who said this definition of faith, which I really enjoy. Uh, some people like to make faith out to be obedience or you believe a set script of doctrines, but he says faith is learning to stand naked before God, not the crowd. And that's it. Isn't that beautiful? That faith is really when you are able to stand before God without any titles, without any accomplishments, without any need to defend or make excuses for your own failures. You just exist in your own quote-unquote nakedness before God. But that's in contradistinction that you then are not standing in front of a crowd with your titles and your excuses. You see what I mean? Isn't that good? The real life of faith is learning how to just exist, to be free, and to be free in truly you, and to have very little concern with what the crowd says or expects of you. Because the crowd is... That's the group that loves us to stay our false selves. The crowd is often the version, it's the collective that has no desire to know our deepest, truest self because it just wants to know that the external version of yourself is pretty or looks good or looks like it has it all together. When in reality, God does care about who you tr truly and deepest are. Are. In the last episode, I talked about how Jesus talks about how people can be like whitewashed tombs. And whitewashed means painted. That it doesn't matter. You can paint a tomb all you want, but it doesn't stop to be a tomb. There's he know he tapped into something 2,000 years ago when he said people are prone to to keeping the outside version of themselves polished for the crowd. When in reality, God is concerned with who you truly deepest are and can look and perceived and, and can look through the paint job, the husk, the shell, the external version of ourselves that we've created. Now, let's try to wrap this up in some sense. How is the reality of a true self good news? So last episode, I asked a similar question. How is the reality of a false self good news? Well, the reality of a false self is good news because unless you know you have a false self, you can't get rid of it. But what is the good news of having a true self? Well, finding your true self in God, that might be another definition of what it means to be saved. And yes, I understand in some church circles to be saved means a, a very particular 
said of things, but at least here, let's be honest, if you were to find the truest, deepest version of yourself, the version of you that knows how to stand naked before God and doesn't care about the crowds around you, you would talk about that as though it's salvation for you. That you, by losing your false self, found yourself being saved. Right? Because finding your true self, it's, it's the being saved from unreality. And once you are your true self, you will have inherited everything in the universe. And, and I say this because at the end of the famous parable, the parable of the prodigal son, or you could say the two sons, or the parable of the running father in Luke 15, the, the statement of the God character at the end is, I'm with you always and everything I have is yours. Both the younger son and the older son had fallen into surface understandings of themselves, of thinking, oh no, (laughs) the external version of myself has made a mess of everything, or the external version of myself has got everything together. But actually, the father in that story, he just calls out the truest, deepest reality that they were both sons all along, regardless of what they've done. He called out a matter of like ontological being, like who they are on an existential level. You are family. And I love you regardless of anything you do that's great or terrible. The true self, um, it, it kind of shows religion at its best. Because religion, is, it comes from the Latin religio, which means to reattach. Good and proper religion helps you to reattach with the truest, deepest version of yourself and helps you to shuck off the shell, the husk, the paint job, the theater version of yourself that's all externals. And so, let's finish with some, some tips, okay? Remember, <laughs> if you want to become your truest, deepest self, then just remember, there is no one that you need to impress. No one, okay? Live in, like, absolute freedom that you don't have to live up to anyone's expectations because what does it mean that God already looks at you and says, I am with you always and everything I have is yours? We don't even need to impress God because that's what grace is. And here's another thought is that knowing yourself better will help you get to know God and other people better. Because as you come to know um, your truest, deepest, most authentic self it helps you to realize when other people aren't being their truest, deepest, most authentic self. That as you plunge the depths of who you are and stop living a surface level life, you're going to start to recognize or have kind of like a radar for others who are living 
that surface level kind of life. And Augustine says this really powerful thing where he says, I looked within my wounds and there I found you, God. That by looking into the deepest parts of yourself, you may end up finding that God has been there all along. And so just like, <laughs> just like I had to, you might find yourself at a, at a crossroads, at a turning point, not an end point, but like a, a, a launch point even, that you might need to detach from certain people, from certain activities, from certain friend groups in order for you to remember or to save who you really are. And when you can detach from all of those things, then you are then finally free to really attach to the things that really do matter. Because the goal of life isn't to be detached from everything. It's rather every so often learn to detach so that you can reattach to what's important. And that is an everyday task. And so maybe, maybe it means take out a journal and write this down. Decide that from today on, you will choose to be more real, more vulnerable, and honest than you were yesterday. And then do that task again tomorrow. <laughs> but don't, don't gauge yourself against other people. Just ask yourself, am I being more true to who I am than I was yesterday? And then can I do that again tomorrow? Say, I deliberately choose today to care a little less about other people's opinions and expectations of me. I choose today to partake in activities that make me feel less of who I am. I won't do those things today as much as I did yesterday. And so really, honestly, have nothing to do with the things that diminish you against your will. And then if you have to be around certain types of people that aren't interested in letting you be really you, then determine to limit your exposure to those people as best as you can. Say, you know what, 10 minutes, and then you make it a statement. Like, we can talk to, for, together for 10 minutes because after 10 minutes, uh, you start to lose who you really are. And that hopefully you will continue to grow into who you truly are so that you can maybe spend as much time as you need to around other people like that. But remember, this is a good last tip. Your reputation doesn't need you to defend it. And instead, just determine to live well. Determine to live authentically and as truthfully as you can. Because every time we start to try to defend our own reputation, that might actually be us building up our false self again. Because that's a matter of trying to defend who we are in front of the crowds. And that is not, at least Kierkegaard's definition of what a faithful life looks like. So let's wrap this up with a benediction. May you, the listener, 
quote unquote, <laughs> lose yourself so that you can save yourself. May you endeavor to purposefully take off the external mask, to drop the husk, to give up the theater version of yourself that you've created to survive in the world, to control the world, to be liked by the world, by the crowds. And may you, as you drop that version of yourself, as you lose it, may you find yourself saving who you truly are. And may you live into the reality that you are in the Imago Dei, that at the truest, deepest, most honest level of yourself, that person is absolutely worth being. I'm going to finish with one last quote because I forgot to say it earlier, but it's from Thomas Merton, and it has to do with the true self. He says, let me pull it up. At the center of our being is a point of nothingness which is untouched by sin and by illusion. A point of pure truth, a point or spark which belongs entirely to God, which is never at our disposal, from which God disposes of our lives, which is inaccessible to the fantasies of our mind or the brutalities of our own will. That was a little wordy, but here you go. This little point of nothingness and of absolute poverty is the pure glory of God in us. It is, so to speak, his name written in us as our poverty, as our indigence, as our dependence, as our son or daughtership. And this is the most beautiful part. The truest, deepest version of ourselves, it is like a pure diamond, blazing with the invisible light of heaven. It is in everybody, and if we could see it, we would see these billions of points of light coming together in the face and the blaze of a sun that would make all the darkness and cruelty of life vanish completely. May you and I endeavor to be the unique light that each of us are supposed to be in this world. And may we shine that light brightly and not hide it under a bushel, a basket, a husk, a mask, a shell, or a paint job. But instead, let the light of God shine out from us and from who we truly deepest are. May grace and peace be with you.